We just read a word that I absolutely love. It's a rich word. It's a word that's got meat on it and depth. It's that word reconciled, reconciled. And and I I know some of you, even as I say that word and talk about how much I love that word, you're you're probably sitting there thinking that word's kind of a churchy word, pastor, you know. Uh, And and why can't you just use plain English like uh, they made up, they worked it out, they they got back together. I mean, reconciled is, is a word that maybe we don't use a lot but it's still a great word to stop and think about. And, and just honestly, I hate to use the word meditate on, but, but think deeply about. I mean, when I think of the word reconciled, I think of couples who are fighting and going at each other, and yet uh, they find a way to fight for their relationship instead of just fighting each other. And and before you know it, two individuals who were at odds are back together. I think of a couple of friends, and they just have a falling out, and they don't speak to each other for weeks or maybe months. And, and, And then the next thing you know, they're out shopping together or they're playing around to golf, and you go, what happened? And, and they just say, well, we, we worked it out. We got past our differences. And what they're saying is we reconciled our relationship. It's a great word, reconcile. One person has defined it like this, to find a way in which two people who are opposed to each other can agree to exist together. So when we hear the word reconciled, we think of relationships. Some of you may be thinking reconciling a bank statement, uh, but, but I also think of being reconciled to Jesus Christ. Now, the minute we say that we are reconciled to Christ, like we just read, that implies that at one time, just like we just read, we were not reconciled to Jesus. That means at one time we were alienated. We were hostile toward God, and God at the very same moment's going, yes, yeah, same, same, because I was pretty aggravated with you as well. At one time, we were under the judgment of God, the wrath of God, and yet... Uh, Through the work of Jesus on the cross and the empty tomb, we have been reconciled to Jesus, all who repent and confess Jesus as Lord. Reconciled. That's what Jesus says, by the way, for while we were really good people, so deserving of having the relationship with Jesus reconciled. It doesn't say that. While we were enemies. We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Here's my encouragement to you, even as we prepare to dive into these verses. Don't take reconciliation with Jesus for granted. If you are unreconciled this morning, maybe you're joining us online and you're just checking out the church, checking out Jesus and who is Jesus. Don't take the offer of reconciliation for granted. If you're a child of God and you've been a child of God for many years, my encouragement to you is to return to the joy of your salvation. Actually, my prayer is that before we leave today, you will actually pray that prayer. If you have been reconciled through Jesus to the living God, that you will actually pray, God, would you restore to me the joy of my salvation and may I never take reconciliation for granted.
when I read these verses that we just read, here's what I hear God saying to us. And I'm gonna warn you before I tell you what I hear God saying, you're gonna think, Gary, you're trying to be too cute by half. Uh, Gary, uh, it just goes in one ear and out the other. And I'm admitting it up front, but I'm asking you to listen and help me just to sit with this a minute and see if this doesn't begin to resonate in your soul like it did mine. Here's what I hear God saying. The unreconciled are reconciled to reconcile. I know, I know, too cute by half, Gary. Uh, but but let's, let's unpack it before you totally dismiss that saying. First of all, the unreconciled. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind and doing evil deeds. Isn't it interesting, before Paul begins to unpack for us what it means to be reconciled to Jesus, he unpacks for us what it means to be unreconciled. In other words, he invites us to think deeply on unreconciled, why is that? Because I'm saying the odds are this morning you didn't wake up thinking, boy, I sure hope Gary preaches on what it means to be unreconciled. I'd like to know more about that. Well, the truth is you woke up this morning probably thinking about, uh, okay, what's for breakfast? And right now you're thinking about what's for lunch and how long is this sermon gonna last? And boy, I hope it's not bad and I hope it's not boring. And some of you are thinking right now, hey, I'd like to improve my handicap. Do you think anybody would notice if I watch a YouTube video uh, during the sermon? Or I gotta check Instagram. I'll do that whether anybody notices or not. So why am I inviting you to think deeply on what it means to be unreconciled? Have you ever heard the saying, and I want this to be interactive, so literally I want a show of hands. Have you, any of you ever heard a saying that goes something like this? You don't really appreciate what you've got until it's gone. Show of hands. All right. That's a lot of us, right? It's true especially when it comes to health, right? I mean, if you had a time where your back didn't hurt and now your back hurts, you're going, whoo boy, I really miss those times when my back didn't hurt. You had a time when your knees didn't hurt and now your knees hurt and you're going, man, I really wish for those times when my knees didn't hurt. You once didn't have a headache, now you've got a migraine. You're going, man, I wish I'd never take for granted those times that I don't have a migraine. That's why older people, I'm not one of them, but I'm saying people a lot older than me start saying really dumb stuff that's true like this. Youth is wasted on the young. How many of y'all have ever heard that? Yeah. Because it's hard to appreciate what you've got until it is gone. And so that's why Paul is saying, I want you to, I want you to stare into the face of what it means to not be reconciled so that you can truly appreciate what it means to be reconciled to Jesus Christ. And so he describes the unreconciled. The unreconciled are alienated. Do you see that word? It means to be estranged, cut off. It means to be separated. Isn't that what opposing parties do? Don't opposing parties just kind of start moving away from each other? Go back to a married couple. Married couple fighting. Can't work it out. I mean, it's intense. It's ongoing. You still can't work it out. What does one of the two do? A lot of times, they will get up and they will go and sleep on the couch. Show of hands. How many of y'all have ever slept on the couch before? Don't raise your hand. 
because it would be more honest to ask you, raise your hand if you've never slept on the couch before. Okay, can I just make a quick confession just to get it off my chest? It has nothing to do with the sermon, just, I'm the powder in our marriage. I'm not proud of that, but I am. Kim is the one that's far more mature. So early in our marriage, I kind of had leverage in fights if I just got up and went and slept on the couch. Why? Because I knew that Kim, who is not the powder, way more spiritually mature than me, she would always come in there and try to work it out. And, and then I would talk and, and then I would forgive her. And then we would go back to bed together. And it was great until about a year, two years down the road, Max. She's like, forget this noise. So I went and slept on the couch and she went to sleep. <laughs> I woke up about three in the morning, my back was hurting, I kid you not, I remember it. I, I went and crawled back in bed. I'm like, okay, I just lost this fight. And I'm telling you, she broke me of that habit. I, over the last 20 years, I can't remember except for one time getting up, and, but this time I'm much older. We have an empty nest, so I didn't go sleep on the couch, man. I went to the other bedroom and slept on the bed. I slept great, she slept great, and we worked it out the next day, amen? Now, no speeches on don't let the sun go down on your anger. I was angry and I didn't wanna hear from God or Kim, so that's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> but yes, I'm the powder and she's the mature one, but listen to me. The point is, when we are in opposition, when we are opposed, what do we do? We separate. We do the same thing with God, right? We sin and the Holy Spirit comes and convicts us of sin, judgment, and what? Righteousness, right? And what do we do? We begin, when we are unreconciled, we begin to run. We separate ourselves from God. What did Adam and Eve do in the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve uh, went and hid themselves after they sinned. That is human nature, and that's what the alienated do, the unreconciled do. Now, the problem uh, with being unreconciled and alienated from God is uh, you sleep on the couch and you're never reconciled, you end up sleeping on the couch for all of eternity. And the problem is the couch isn't in heaven, the couch is in hell. And so it's a bad thing to be alienated from God for all eternity, but that's what we did. It's what you did. And when you're not walking in fellowship with Jesus, guess what, that's what you do to this very day. You don't want to talk to God, pray, because you're angry at God. And you don't want to listen to God because you're angry at God. And so you just run away from God and you run away from others and you separate yourself. I'm telling you, when you are unreconciled, listening to a sermon is not on your top 10 list. Coming to church is not on your top 10 list because you're trying to get away from God, not get to God. Alienated. Now, the unreconciled are alienated and hostile in mind. Did you catch that in the text? You who once were alienated and hostile in mind. The word hostile means to be hate-filled. Do you see the progression there? When we are unreconciled to God, we have this nature that just doesn't want to spend time in the presence of God, so we run from God, and then we start scowling at God. When I think of hostile in mind, I think of Ted Lasso and the character Roy Kent. 
It's just this perpetual scowl. You don't even have to know the show to see that's not a good face. And that's his good face. Gets worse from there. Well, that's a picture of the unreconciled. Uh, We run from God and then we start scowling at God and God's people. And if you're sitting there going, I've never experienced somebody scowling at God or or me because I'm a follower of Jesus. Let me tell you something. Uh, The unreconciled scowl at God who created them, Jesus who offers to save them, the Holy Spirit who convicts of sin, judgment, and righteousness. And they scowl at God's people. You see this on a daily basis. If you don't experience it, just go up to somebody who is not a follower of Jesus and tell them what Jesus teaches about, I don't know, gluttony or gossiping. They'll talk about you behind your back for weeks. You go up to somebody who's not a follower of Jesus and talk to them about what Jesus teaches about unforgiveness or racism or greed, or I don't know, try this one on, uh, same-sex marriage. Or you tell somebody who's not reconciled what Jesus teaches about how he created male and female. And as it turns out, gender is not fluid, but fixed. And here's the response you're gonna get. Check this out. That. The unreconciled scowl at God and God's people. But notice what it says. You once were alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. To do evil deeds just means the unreconciled live a life that pleases them and displeases God. Why? Jesus tells us why. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the light or the darkness. See, the unreconciled love the darkness. That's why one commentator points out, and I believe they're right on target To do evil deeds means to actually willful love of sin. Now, there's nobody in this room old enough to remember this, but when I was a kid, there was an old country song that expresses this sentiment. If loving you is wrong, I don't wanna be right. Hadn't we all met people like that? Well, if my sin is wrong, I don't wanna be right. And who are you? to judge me. The reality is we all know people like that because when we're unreconciled, it is so much easier to love our sin than it is to love the Savior. It is easier to love our sin of choice than what Jesus teaches us about the way he wants us to live. So we're alienated, hostile in mind, and in love with our sin when we're unreconciled. Now we've just taken a decently deep dive looking unreconciliation in the face. Now we're ready to compare that to being reconciled. Notice what it says. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. The unreconciled are reconciled. And make no mistake about it, we are reconciled through Jesus Christ, the work that Jesus did on the cross. We repeat this all the time in this church, and we want you to know that because you're not saved by works, works that you do. You are saved by the works that Jesus did for you on behalf, your behalf on the cross and at the empty tomb. So listen. Jesus died and defeated death so that he might reconcile you 
so that he might reconcile those who are unreconciled. And the moment we come to faith, here is a picture of reconciliation. It says, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy. Did you know that word holy means to be separated from sin. It means to be separated for God. Do you realize it's the exact opposite of being alienated? As a matter of fact, you can think of it like this. The alienated are separated from Jesus and the holy are separated from sin. And then he says, when you're reconciled, you're made holy and you're made blameless. See, if you're a Christian right now, I want you to begin to think in terms of God, would you restore to me the joy of my salvation? Because in you, what I've received is you've made me holy and you've made me blameless. The word blameless means to be without blemish. In context, it referred to a sacrificial lamb that would be offered in the temple and there was no spot or blemish that you could notice or see. Blameless. It means to be covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Are you a sinner? Yes, you are. Are you still a sinner? Yes, you are. You still sin. But if you are in Christ, here's what happens. Jesus has covered your sin with his righteousness. He has covered your sin with the righteousness of Jesus. Theologians call it imputed righteousness. Here's a picture that helps me to make sense of this point. This is a Russian doll. If you didn't know it was a Russian doll, you wouldn't know that I could take the doll apart and inside is a whole other doll. There's actually another doll inside this one, but that didn't work for my illustration, so ignore that point. <laughs> now, when you come to faith in Jesus, he declares that you are holy. You are now separated from your sin and separated unto God. And he says... And I have made you blameless. I have covered every single sin with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be blameless. And then notice as well that when we are reconciled, we are made above reproach. Did you see that in the text? It says reconciled in his body in order to present you holy and blameless and Above reproach. To be above reproach has reference to the accusations that others bring against you. And maybe you've heard, maybe this is news to you, but Satan is the accuser of God's children. It actually says in God's word, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. You know what that means? Satan delights day and night in going before God and pointing out your flaws and your sin. I want you to stop and think about, just go ahead and allow yourself to think about your worst thought on your worst day, your worst deed on your worst day. I want you to think about some of the things that you've got buried deep and you've got it in a vault and you don't want anyone to think about it. You don't want anyone to know it. You don't want anyone to catch a glimpse of it, including yourself, including your spouse, including your best friend. What is that that you've got buried deep? Satan is already going, God, do you know what they did? 
And to be above reproach means God doesn't listen to any accusation Satan brings against you, not because the accusation is untrue, but because that which he has been accusing you of has been covered by the blood of Jesus and it is clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ now. That's what it means to be reconciled. You're not above sin, you're above reproach. No charge can stick against you. See, the unreconciled are reconciled. But listen to this last point. Lest we miss one of the primary objectives that God has in reconciling us to himself, the unreconciled are reconciled to reconcile. Look at the text. If indeed you continue in the faith stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the, look at that, gospel. That you heard, in other words, somebody is proclaiming the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Paul is saying to us, I'm human. Paul speaking, not Gary. Yes, I'm projecting on and putting words in his mouth, but work with me here, okay? Paul is saying, guys, I get it. I'm human too. And so when it comes to looking at those who are not reconciled, it is so easy to just distance yourself yourself from them. It is so easy to hate them. Why? Well, because they're always scowling at God and scowling at you. It's easy to ignore them. It's easy to just wish they'd go away. It's easy to have nothing to do with them. After all, the unreconciled are, are sinners and selfish. And they wag their finger at you and they call you judgmental and unloving and unkind and uncaring and filled with hate speech. But Paul says, that's not the way of Jesus. See, God's not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance and a knowledge of the truth. And he said, here's the deal. The unreconciled are reconciled to reconcile. We're reconciled so that we can proclaim the good news to those who are not reconciled. It says we proclaim the gospel. The word means good news. What is the good news? The good news is there is a kingdom. Yeah, we're living in the kingdom of this world and Satan is the little G God of this kingdom, but there's a kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of heaven is coming. It is crashing into earth and there's gonna be a day that we don't live in a fallen, broken world. And some of you right now are saying, why doesn't God fix the world now? But God, if he were gonna fix the world now, would have to eradicate evil and sin and sinners. And that means he'd have to start with you. Okay, he'd have to start with me, but you'd be number two on the list. He'd have to start with us. And so he's being patient so that everyone has an opportunity to repent 
and to believe and to confess him as Lord and Savior and King. The good news is there is a kingdom in which there is no evil and wickedness and brokenness and sin and death and disease. There is a kingdom and that kingdom is crashing into earth and Jesus is the king of that kingdom and he will reign in that kingdom and he died and was buried and he rose again conquering sin, death, Satan and hell so that you and I might have the opportunity to be reconciled to God so that we could become a citizen of his kingdom and what he invites us to do is to repent say God I'm so sorry I've lived my life in such a way that I actually preferred my sin to your salvation I'm sorry, I've spent my life running from you and being alienated from you. I'm sorry, I've spent my life scowling at you and your people. And I'm sorry that I've lived my life doing evil deeds, loving my sin more than your salvation. But today, Jesus, and I invite you to do this. You can do this right now. How terrible to preach a message on reconciliation and no one be reconciled. You can be reconciled to Jesus right now by simply turning to him and saying, Jesus, I am sorry. I lived my life scowling at you and loving my sin and I repent. I turn from that and I confess you as my king, my Lord, my God, my savior right now. And I'll follow you the rest of my day. John the Baptist came preaching, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent. And that's the same message that I'm preaching today. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent. So, the unreconciled are reconciled to reconcile. What do we do with this message? Number one, be reconciled. If, if I just went too fast for you on how to be reconciled, there's a next step room. Now, now, we're about to do the Lord's Supper, so don't start packing your bags. Don't start thinking about lunch. Don't think about Whataburger. There's a next step room. We'd love to talk to you about what it means to trust in Jesus this morning. Now, listen to me. Be reconciled. Pray, Jesus, I repent. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I'll follow you. Let us help you do that. By the way, if you're sitting there going, ah, oh, check, already did that, Gary, then, then this is the time for you to pray, God, would you restore to me the joy of your salvation? That's what the psalmist, Psalm 51, verse 12, prays. He doesn't even say the joy of my salvation because he understands God is the author of salvation. He is saved based on the works of what God has done for us. And so he prays, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And so the invitation is for you to right now say, God, you have moved me from being unreconciled to being reconciled. Please restore to me the joy of your salvation. Don't let me take reconciliation for granted. Be reconciled. Number two, be a reconciler. C.S. Lewis writes this. Enemy, occupied territory. That is what this world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say landed in disguise and is calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. Be a reconciler. Join Jesus 
in proclaiming the gospel, the good news, to somebody today who is unreconciled because Jesus loves to reconcile those who are unreconciled. Um, In just a moment, we're gonna take together the Lord's Supper. And, And here's my prayer. Here's my prayer. Number one, that we could take this Lord's Supper as a celebration of our salvation. That we could just take this Lord's Supper with this prayer in mind, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. You see, first there is the bread. And when it comes to the bread, the bread is a reminder that Jesus Christ, the God of creation, came And you know what he did? He literally gave his body as a sacrifice for sin. See, reconciliation comes at a cost, and the cost is the life of Jesus Christ. And so even as you take this bread, would you pray, God, would you restore to me the joy of the salvation that your sacrifice provided? This is my body, take and eat. And then there's the cup. And as you take this, it's a reminder that reconciliation comes at a price. The wages of sin is death. God didn't say, oh, I'll just kind of skip over that in your case. No, he said, I'll pay the price. Let my death be the sacrifice in place of your death. As you drink this, would you drink it with the prayer, Lord, would you restore to me? Do not let me take for granted reconciliation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. He said, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin. Drink from it, all of you. Trace is gonna come and close us out this morning, but I wanna just do a quick prayer as he comes. Lord Jesus, thank you for letting us see so clearly through Paul's writing, which you inspired, a picture of the unreconciled and a picture of the reconciled, and for letting us see the call to be reconcilers. Father, please don't let this message These words that you inspired fall on deaf ears. Lord, I pray today you will reconcile the unreconciled. I pray today that we as the reconciled will rejoice in the salvation that you've provided. And I pray that today we will all go forth from this place committed to join in a great campaign of sabotage this week as we tell people about the reconciliation you offer. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.